This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. everyone, and welcome back to the MCU Lorecast. I'm Sh- Captain Shanko. And I'm Psych88. So today's episode is going to be a little bit different from our last couple. Um, the last several episodes focused on the films, but today we're going to be doing a more in-depth deep dive into the character of Rogue. Yep. Yeah, we thought that um, with her being the hook character in the movies for the audience to uh, to latch onto, she would make our great first deep dive character to. So, um, you go ahead and you go ahead first. All right. Um. So, my first exposure to the character of Rogue. It's really hard to kind of pinpoint exactly what that was, but the main one that comes to mind is going to be from the X-Men animated show back in the early 2000s, um, late 90s, I believe. Um, It aired on, you know, Toonami or Disney or JetX or whatever, and uh, I really remember liking the character Rogue and thinking that she was really cool and sassy which you didn't see a whole lot of done well i feel like especially in the early 2000s the sassy characters were usually written off as just being mean or stupid or they were the kind of bad girl character that wasn't necessarily the main character so to see a character like that done well was really cool Uh, what about you, Sai? Yeah, um, actually, it's the same. My first um, exposure to Rogue was in the animated series. Um, and I'll admit, as as a young boy, like it didn't. She wasn't quite like up on my radar as much as um, a couple of the other characters. Um, so that didn't that took time for me to develop into like really liking and understanding her character. So yeah, that was that was my first like first run of it, uh, but it wouldn't be until like uh, until the movie and until uh some other X-Men series came out that I was like, "Oh, this character's really cool. Let me do some more research on that." And then now she's my like one of my top five favorite X-Men of all time. She was definitely, um, I think, uh, as far as you know, viewership goes, I, I definitely think that the male audience was more swayed towards 
characters like, you know, your favorite guy, Wolverine, or Cyclops, uh-huh. um, especially in that show. Uh, even um, some people may have gravitated towards the character of Beast or whatever, but I, uh, you know, growing up, I had always liked that there were these couple of women on that show who were super powerful and um, in leadership roles. Because, I, I mean, at that age, you know, I, I really looked up to characters like Rogue and Storm and Jean Grey because they were smart and they were strong and they were uh, independent, but also able to work as part of a team. And again, seeing them in leadership roles, which I thought was really, really awesome. No, yeah, and it's very important. Uh, it would have been very important, and it still is very important to have... Uh, you know, strong female characters like that. Uh, and she definitely embodies the idea of the strong female character. Yeah, for sure. Uh, doesn't take any crap from anyone, including the guy who has a massive crush on her. And maybe she has a return crush on him. But she still doesn't take his crap. <laughs> I, it's Gambit. Like, no one should be taking his crap. <laughs> If uh, if his lips are moving, there's like a fifty percent chance it's all like it's a bluff. He's either <laughs> lying or flirting or both. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. So, what is your favorite version of her? Like, what rendition of Rogue is your favorite? I mean, I am tempted to say that that version of her from that cartoon show is my favorite just because uh, it was such a big part of what I was watching when I was that age and when I was younger, you know, probably, I think I remember putting on X-Men when I was nine or nine, ten, maybe a little bit younger than that too, because I think they were at reruns at that point. Yeah. Um, But, you know, I'm, I really like kind of going back to Rogue's roots, um, the early days where she was um, kind of in that gray zone between, um, you know, being the bad guy and then joining the X-Men. I like, I really like the, um, you know, the early versions of her because she was kind of, kind of scary and kind of... um, intimidating and what about you uh my favorite is uh going to be from the comic mainline um because of course that's the one that's gotten probably the most characterization uh, but uh, all of my favorite stories involving rogue come from the 616 main universe so Mm -hmm. that's that's my favorite of hers uh i mean honorable mentions definitely go to um x-men evolutions rogue which uh was a was much different than uh, uh than the others up to that time that um the cartoon rogue that we were talking about at the beginning, too. I mean, she's very obviously... That's kind of a standout for me as well. Um, 
But, you know, as far as the comics go, too, you know, her, you know, early to late 80s renditions were, um, I feel like, the, some of the stronger stories where she was really viewed as an important and a um, centerline character for the X-Men. But again, you know, the comic history is more your wheelhouse, so I'm sure you have a little bit more insight on that um, and where she was at as far as writers go. Because I, I did a little bit of research into the comic side, but I do typically leave that to, to you, Psych, because that is more your um, more your zone. Right. But I know there were some funky things going on in, later uh, with the history, but we'll, we'll talk about that in the second part of the show. Yeah. I know you have... Feelings almost as strong as those you have for Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> All right, then I believe lastly here is... Um... Oh, right. Oh, um, well, all right, so, I mean, that's your favorite rendition, but do you have, like, a favorite story that involved her? Um, so I, I didn't read a whole lot of the X-Men comics, um, well, it could be, until in much this later. Case, uh, but, in this case, it could be, what was your favorite episode that involved her? Yeah, I don't remember the name of the specific episode, but I do remember, let me see, I'm trying to figure out how to word this, because, I mean, I watched some of these in reruns forever, but... Uh, that pilot episode of the show from season one, um, where, you know, they're at the, at the mall and, um, you know, Rogue and Storm are just shopping at the mall and then, um, Jubilee gets attacked by the Sentinels. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, really loved that as kind of a, a starting point because, um, while it may not have been at the forefront of the minds of the people putting out that show, it was really, really cool to see just, like, two badass chicks kicking some robot ass. Um, you know. Yeah, that opener is... <laughs> they, I mean, they, they, you know, I mean, they didn't need Cyclops and Wolverine. They were all right. They had it. <laughs> they were good. And I thought that was really really cool to see especially for the time when that came out that may not have been you know that was definitely not the norm i don't think no uh you because that would have been you know mid 90s there for the release of that episode which was a uh, night of the sentinels mm-hmm. uh, yeah and you know so you got jubilee being chased by the sentinels through a mall which we'll talk about sentinels later anyway um and then it's rogue and storm and they take the first you know attacks at it and the only other backup they've got is gambit and what's he doing he's flirting you know he's not even paying attention so naturally it falls to two of the strongest x-men characters to take care of this giant robot and that's it it also does a very good job of just like allowing the audience to see ah these are what these characters do it just does it very quickly Uh, so what is one of your favorite stories that centers around Rogue? One of my favorite stories centered around Rogue is a graphic novel called Supernovas. And it's where Rogue is promoted to a field leader position 
She puts together a real unique team that involves several villains and several original X-Men. It was written by Mike Carey, who I felt did a fantastic job of, of showing her growth as a character and her tactical mindset. It was illustrated by Chris Bacalo, Humberto Ramos, and Mark Brooks, all of whom are talented artists. I've always particularly liked Bacalo's style. It's very sharp and energetic, which marries very well in an X-Men book. So yeah, like it when I'm feeling kind of like I need to read something for nostalgia, I pull supernovas. It's like a returning one yeah. for you that you just you don't get tired of. All right. Uh, we were supposed to have a third host on tonight. Unfortunately, Genesis could not make it. Um, she's got some you know personal life stuff going on. Uh, but she did pre-record something for us, so we're going to play it now. Hey guys, it's Genesis. I am so sorry that I could not be there live in person tonight, but I wanted to come on and give a quick shout out to my girl Rogue. Sykes sent me a couple of questions to answer about her, and here we go. When were you first introduced to the character? Okay, I feel like you guys are going to kill me, but... I have to be honest with this answer. The first major introduction that I had to any Marvel character was when there was a weird timeline cartoon where they were stuck back as high school students. And uh, I watched all of it as a kid and absolutely loved it. And that was my first like major introduction to comic book characters that I can remember, especially relating uh, to Marvel. So my first introduction to Rogue was this angsty teenager with short hair and just short brown hair and the silver streak. And I was like, oh, that is so my girl. I freaking love her. Like, I've always had a soft spot for the moody teenage. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's where I fell in love with Rogue. Uh, what is your favorite story or favorite rendition of the character? Mm. Okay. I feel like my favorite... I mean, your first is always your favorite, I guess. But in this case, also... I liked Anna Paquin's uh, rendition of Rogue. But I felt like she... Maybe it wasn't as dark as I wanted it to be. And maybe it's because my first imprint from her was being angry, was being moody, was being with the, quote, bad guys for it. Because I remember she, hang out, she hung out with Blob and Pyro and didn't really want to be a part of the X-Men. I didn't get a lot of that out of Anna Paquin's, but I absolutely love Anna, so... You know, there is that. To me, Rogue has always been a little bit of an outsider and not quite sure where or even how she can ever fit in with the people around her. Uh, so, yeah. I think my favorite story from her would have to be uh, just, I remember she put Pyro in his place once by sucking out his power and he she's just like you are 
worthless. You are useless. You are nothing. Uh, I will always be better than you. And I was like, mm, I like that. Somebody who can bring anyone else down. I don't know. She's badass. I love her. Uh, how would you like to see the character grow or change? Hmm. I would love to have Rogue be able to form connections with people. I know that eventually she does, but I want her to be able to form connections and not be afraid of hurting people. And it's not even the physical connections. You know, even though that's what I promote a lot, uh, emotional and emotional connections are really the most important aspect to, to human, to the human and anything. I'm rambling. <laughs> emotional connection is what we need. And in order to do that, you have to not be afraid to open up to people. I understand why she's closed off because every time she gets near people, she hurts them. But you don't have to be physically close to become emotionally bonded. I've learned that a lot lately. Yeah. So I hope you don't hate me because I love angsty, moody, teenager rogue. Uh, but I would love to come back on when I'm able uh, and in a little bit more uh, better place. And I'll be able to join you guys uh, talking in person or over Discord in person. <laughs> but thanks so much, you guys. Love to you both. Uh, and I'll catch you next time. And that was the lovely Genesis from the Two Girls One Ship podcast. We love you, we appreciate you, and we're so happy that you sent us in something even though you couldn't make it, and we definitely will be looking forward to having you on at some point in the future. Um, I do want to talk about her answers real quick, like, uh, so, in case she gets to hear this later, the rogue that she was describing was from uh, X-Men Evolution, the high school teenage rogue, um that I mentioned earlier as an honorable mention. So that was, that was really cool to have that kind of pop back up. Um, also she, uh, I would love to show like, this is a great opportunity to tell like rogue has gotten to the point where she has control over her abilities, um, and is in, uh, an intimate physical relationship. Uh, she recently got married to Gambit in the comics. And there's an entire 12-issue run called Mr. and Mrs. X that I highly recommend. It's hilarious. Um, but that's part that's part of her growth now. Like, she has learned to siphon abilities and memories without causing herself or the person she's pulling those things from, like, physical uh, pain. Um... So yeah, if uh, so, Genesis, you get to listen to that. Like, go check those books out if you want to, or if you can. Yeah, you get to see the the rogue, uh, or you'll get to see rogue building those personal and physical relationships 
um, that I think you're wanting from her because in almost every other rendition of her, she hasn't gotten that, uh, not in a healthy or constructive way or in a way where she gets to um, actually learn how to control her powers. Uh, Like we talked about in our last episode about the raging dumpster fire that was X3. (laughs) Um, You know, instead of her getting the cure for her mutation, she gets to actually control her power and and learn about it and be able to, um, you know, be able to have a healthy, functional marriage with Gambit. Who I guess has calmed down from the flirting and the lying. <laughs> the well, okay, yes and no. He directs more of his flirting towards his wife, and as for the lying, nah. eh. <laughs> <laughs> that's a coin toss. Still, he still moonlights as a thief every once in a while. So, you know, not telling your significant other where you are all the time because you might be doing, you know, grand. Thr- Grand theft. Yeah. But, I mean, as an X-Men, he's still surprisingly one of the, uh... He's still one of the honorable X-Men. Where are you tonight, sugar? I am definitely not robbing the bank on Fifth Street. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Alright, well, that's... That was this first part. Uh, I guess this will go to our mid-break here. Absolutely. Let's hear from some of the ads. Enjoy. All right. Uh, so, welcome to the mid-break. Uh, this is where we. This is where we would read off any five-star reviews we've gotten or any patrons that we would have once we have a Patreon up, which is in the works, sort of. Um, But right now we don't have either of those, but we do want to take the opportunity to thank you for listening to us. And if you can, give us a review on Spotify or Apple, uh, or drop us a line on Twitter or at our Gmail, uh, MCU Lorecast, for both of those. Um, We would really appreciate it. And we would look forward to, to just talking with you all. We've got our new uh, we've got our new Discord channel up on the Robots Radio Network. So if you just want to chat with us about anything Marvel related, we'll be happy to talk to you there. Absolutely, we're really looking forward to having some interaction with our listeners and um, getting the feedback too. Because we definitely, um, I think, while we both have ideas about what we want to do and talk about on the show it's always really really great to ask our listeners what they want to hear uh, because we want to keep it interesting and fun for all of you guys indeed welcome to the second part of the show psych drop some knowledge for us (laughs) all right Knowledge time. Knowledge lore time. Alright, first I have to make a correction. In the first episode, I had stated 
that Wolverine first appeared in Giant Size X-Men number one with Storm and the rest of them. I was wrong. I always get that one wrong because where he actually was introduced was in Incredible Hulk number 180 in July 1974. It doesn't make any sense. I always forget that because it makes more sense to have introduced the mutant with the mutant teams. Anyway, correction aside, back to Rogue. You want things to make sense? Like... <laughs> yes. Yes, I would. I would love them to make sense. Like, also here, right? Um, in the first episode, we we introduced Rogue. She was introduced in Avengers Annual Number 10 in August 1981. Which doesn't make any sense for, a, you know, a mutant bad guy. It's because that's how she was introduced, was through uh, Mystique's Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. And they went off and attacked the Avengers. Um, so we're going to do a little, like, synopsis of Avengers Annual Number 10, just so you guys can kind of get a sense for it without having to, uh, having read it yourselves. <laughs> um, so what happens is, uh, this opens with Spider-Woman saving an unconscious person from, uh, uh, the Golden Gate Bridge. They, it looked like they had tried to jump, but in fact turns out they were completely unconscious anyway and there's no identification for them. it takes a long time to or it takes several hours to figure out who this person was thankfully fingerprints weren't eliminated and they determined that this character was carol danvers but she doesn't have any uh brain functionality she's in a comatose state that's it that's all they've got um, so we go to, uh, so everyone goes to New York to contact Professor X to maybe dive into Danvers's like mind and try to like reawaken her or find her or, you know, something. So that's what brings us to Xavier's school <laughs> where the X-Men are kind of putting back together the, uh, mansion and danger room from an, at an attack uh, that was just in a previous episode, or I said episode uh, issue. Uh, so it's, you know, it's just downtime for the X-Men. Naturally, because this isn't their book. So they're just kind of doing whatever the writer felt like they needed to be doing between issues of actual X-Men titles. Um, then we skip over to the Avengers who are under attack by the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants being led by Mystique and new character Rogue, who is insanely powerful and no one understands why. The Avengers do manage to defeat them and capture them. Huzzah. Um, at the end of the issue, Carol Danvers is reawakened at the X-Mansion and the Avengers come find her. Um, and Carol, Carol decides to leave the Avengers because they, uh, they don't act great towards her. There were other things that were happening in the last, like one of their last big battles and which is why she disappeared. So Carol leaves the Avengers and stays with the X-Men for a while. And that's, that's her introduction episode or episode issue. 
So how did she go from villain to hero? How did she switch? To ah. Hero? Okay, so like I said, this. So that was done in. You know, August 1981, right? Mm-hmm. And then it wouldn't be until uh, April 1983 where Rogue uh, joins the X-Men. She joins the X-Men in Uncanny X-Men number 171. Um, over the last couple of years of, of the stories, Rogue has been slowly losing it because she's got Carol Danvers in her head. Um, so she finally relents and finds Xavier to, to get, to help her deal with this, like, split personality that's starting to happen within her. The other X-Men have other things going on, like, uh, Storm had just become leader of the Morlocks, and she's acting rather ruthless and callous at this point. So, um, that's a big character change from the caring, nurturing kind of storm that had been seen up till that point. Uh, however, somebody is still there with the X-Men. Uh, Carol Danvers operating under the codename Binary at that time, uh, is still on the X-Men team. So when Rogue walks through the door to be like, I need help and maybe I could join your team... She gets, she and Carol get into a fight, um, which between two superpowered uh, women with uh, basically nigh indestructibility and uh, super strength is rather devastating to the building. <laughs> Don't they end up in orbit? Not quite, but they try. Um, the X-Men overall are not particularly happy to have a former villain on the team. Um, and Binary actually, like, leaves. Now, uh, and then there's some other stuff dealing with um, Madeline Pryor and Scott Summers at the end of that. Which starts to, like, tie into um, more Dark Phoenix stuff. We don't really need to get into that. But yeah, uh, we'll be that's... talking about the history of Dark Phoenix down the line. Oh yeah, we'll we'll cover that. <laughs> um, that issue, some trivia for that, um, is considered is considered forty ninth greatest Marvel comic of all time. It was her joining the X Men. And then from there, uh, she she starts winning over the team. You know, she does stuff. Uh, like, she goes... She has to go to uh, a wedding. Uh, Wolverine's wedding in Japan. And he er- or she earns his trust once the rest of the team is knocked out. And so she starts basically earning her keep over the next several uh, issues with all the other X-Men. Yeah, she um, stops an assassination attempt on Wolverine's fiance. Mm-hmm. Uh, among other things, too, um, because she definitely 
didn't just, uh, they weren't like, okay, you want to join the team? Cool. We're 100% okay with you now, even though you've tried to kill us for the last three years in comic history. Yep. Um, so, I mean, and from there, a long time is uh, of Rogue having not all of the, you know, Carol Danvers powers. Um, I don't even know when, like, the energy blasts were put into Miss Marvel's power set, but super strength, nine verbability, strength, all that. She's got that. And that's, like, part of her character for several years before there's a there's a reset and she goes through another power cycle kind of thing. Um, one of my absolute favorite costumes is much down the li- later down the line, part of the Extreme X-Men, where she's sporting uh, Ruby Quartz sunglasses, like Cyclops, and it's because she had somehow permanently absorbed his abilities. And as part of her... Uh, it becomes part of her character set for a little while of that. Uh, she's got the, the red and blue uniform. It's like, it, that is one of my... One of my favorites uh, is that. Um, and uh, recently, we can talk about recently then, uh, she was made an Avenger. Uh, she was part of the Avenger Unity Division. She was put on a team with uh, Havoc and Wanda Maximoff. Everyone here should know what that name is. Um which for any X-Men to work with Wanda at this point in time is probably a miracle in of its own right. Wanda did some serious damage to the mutant cause in everything. Mm -hmm. They were eventually able to put that aside and work together on a team. Um, And then... The most, some of the most recent stuff is her marriage to Gambit. Um, yeah, you mentioned it earlier. There was a, a, a run uh, following their marriage. Yes. Um, so it, this marriage comes up at a very unique point in time in the real world. Um, so both companies, I don't know if they decided this independently, they just happened to do it at the same time, or maybe they knew what they were doing a little bit, but DC and Marvel were both promoting heavily an up, uh, upcoming, uh, upcoming nuptials between two major sets of characters. DC was doing Batman and Catwoman, and Marvel was doing uh, Shadowcat and Colossus, and they were building it up and building it up and building it up. And then they both, like, they both basically got cold feet at the last, like, second and didn't do it at the same time. So for comic book fans overall, there was just this huge letdown of, oh, you guys are just going to tease marriages and then and then just not follow through. Cool, thanks, guys. But for Marvel's end, they actually... They used it as kind of like a back door, and that was where Gambit proposed to Rogue and was like, let's just get married. Let's just do it. And she went with it. 
So that's like how people, that's how they get came married. Here for a wedding. Let's ha- let's give them a wedding. <laughs> let's give them a wedding. That's right. Uh, I I gotta wonder if uh, there was a Marvel exec sitting in his office, kind of going like, <laughs> and he's like, on the phone with a DC exec who's also like, <laughs> and saying, I, hey, you know what would be funny if we <laughs> ran identical storylines and then had them end the same way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then they did it because they, I don't know, they were like drunk or something. I, I, that's insane. I, I wasn't aware that that um, mm-hmm. had occurred <laughs> the same time. Yeah. It, the, the cosmic timing of that is perfect. And it really shows, uh, like this is on a completely like separate level, but Sometimes it it shows us all how much these corporations just don't care. On, like, they're just here to sell us stories, and we're gonna buy them up regardless. Mm-hmm. But really, we would like them to, I don't know, follow through on some of this. Like, I am waiting for the other shoe to drop and for Marvel to like basically unwrite or undo or erase from history rogue and gambit's marriage just like what they did to spider-man uh just like what they do with i mean the only marriage they've actually kept around is mr fantastic and the invisible woman and let's face it that marriage sucks there aren't it just doesn't feel like any healthy relationships exist Oh no! Doesn't doesn't she end up with like a thing with Namor, the Submariner? Yes, yes. And it's a well-known thing. Like everyone understands it. Mm-hmm. Reed I, is. I, I remember in uh, when I initially read Civil War, um, they Ugh. sent they sent the Invisible Woman to go talk to Namor about joining. Uh, Capside, the anti-registration. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> I, I remember going, oh, this, this is a subplot I didn't know existed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's that. Uh, to keeping it in X Men, of course, the one of the biggest relationships of all time, right? Cyclops mm-hmm. and Jean Grey. He, they just can't get it to work. Up until. I'm going to say very recently. But even still, you know, that's uh, 30 years of marrying and dying and marrying your wife's clone and it turns evil on you and, uh, oh, turns out the one that died originally wasn't actually your, like, it wasn't actually Jean Grey. Uh, Here's it, the actual Jean Grey. Let's give it a shot again. Oh, let me cheat on you. Like, it's just awful. 30 years of awful romantic relationships. Yeah, we just can't have a healthy relationship. Just give us all the give us give us the domestic relationships that we all deserve to see. <laughs> the, the healthy functional marriages, please. Um yeah, um I wouldn't be at all shocked if they at some point retconned um, Rogue and Gambit's marriage, but that being said, I don't want to see it happen. 
I don't want to see it happen. I would I would become very, very, very cross with Marvel if they did that to Rogue and Gambit. Because, like, Rogue and Gambit has been a thing in and across media up until the 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 Brian Singer X-Men films, I think. Every other um, rendition of the X-Men had that Rogue and Gambit romance and did it really well. Um, and then they uh, just yes. did... Because, I mean, yeah, going the, back to the old show that we were talking about, the, the you know, 90s cartoon, I absolutely adored uh, Rogue and Gambit's relationship in that show because it was so fun and flirty and um, it was done well because, he, you know, he, he just, he never gave up. He's like, no, I know what I want. I, I want the woman who could, like, kill me with a kiss. I'm cool with that. <laughs> <laughs> And then yeah. on the, you know, X-Men Evolution show, even it had a little bit of representation and a couple of um, near kisses and, and things like that. I mean, it was a little bit younger of a show, high school age, so they didn't um, harp on it as much. And he and Gambit was very much um, a younger version of himself, a little bit less, I'm a member of the X-Men and a little bit more, I'm a thief and I, I do mischievous things. Yeah, yeah, the only yeah the only one like animated wise that really didn't do anything with Gambit and Rogue, even though they had both characters, was the animated Wolverine and the X Men series. Uh, They didn't even have Rogue and Gambit cross paths. Hmm. And that's just too bad. Because like. I, I, I'm from the South, right? I, I live in Florida, and um, I always thought it was really funny that they're like, okay, these two people, they're the Southern people on this show. Let's, put, <laughs> let's make them a couple. But here's the thing, right? Not all flavors of Southern jive together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're, oof, yeah. But it's so fun to see. It's like I, I think one of my actual favorite scenes was when uh, Gambit's in the car with Rogue, and he's like, "Where did you learn how to drive?" <laughs> She's like, "On the back roads in Mississippi." <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh. Um. So funny you should mention that. Like, um, Rogue is that the stereotype of the Southern Belle taken to an extreme she's beautiful she's flirty but also she's completely chaste because she literally will kill you if you touch her so i thought that was pretty funny that that's uh that was a thing but yeah that's uh that is what i have for comic book lore on rogue uh there i mean there are so many stories. Like I said, she's been here since 1981, guys. Uh, that would be 41 years of stories involving yeah, we, Rogue. We could sit here all night and talk about every single one of her uh, yeah, appearances no. and important, um, important moments. And realistically, I think just about every character uh, that we'll end up covering in um, these 
character episodes, probably, I mean, even 81 is not as old as comics go. So, I mean, if we were to do an episode about Captain America, we're looking at the 40s. (laughs) You know, (laughs) a long time. Um, But, you know, if you guys uh, like these character episodes, let us know. And if uh, there are any any other topical things you want us to cover, uh, hit us up on the Discord or on any of the social medias. We're happy to take feedback. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's... Yeah, we, we want to talk to you. Uh, we like, we want to engage, so please drop us a line. Be happy to answer anything. Um, I, I, that is it for us. Uh, next week, we now officially leave the mutants behind, and we go to Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. Toby, let's go. I'm very excited <laughs> to talk about these. Um, yeah, these you'll, you'll finally get to like talk about some actual fighting rather than yeah, <laughs> just stabbing. Just, <laughs> here's some um, good to questionable CGI uh, and some broken physics and Wolverine is flying through the air. Here you go. Yep. Uh, I'll have a couple of uh, more fight scenes to break down. That's going to be a fun time for me. Um, And it's also very nostalgic to go back to the Toby Spider-Man movies. Uh, But anyway, yeah, that's it for us, guys. Uh, We'll see you next week. Take care. As we all know, when it comes to making a movie, there are a lot of people working behind the scenes to make that movie magic happen. And it is no different when making a podcast. Welcome to the credit section of the MCU Lorecast. Captain Shanko and I would like to personally thank the following for their incredibly hard work and faith in us to get this podcast rolling. Tom, the head of the Robots Radio Network, for hosting and mentoring. In 7 Legend of the Mass Effect Lorecast for inspiration. Genesis and Vervada of the Two Girls One Ship podcast for introducing us. Let's Not, a fellow tabletop gamer and friend for the amazing artwork. Pipe Men, a veteran and friend for the outstanding music. Our significant others for believing in and supporting us through this. And you, our fans, without whom this would be a vanity project. Let us know how we're doing by leaving us a review on Apple or a rating on Spotify. And to quote Stan the Man, enough said. Are you a fan of Elden Ring? Are you confused about the lore as pretty much everyone else? We've got you covered. Check out the Elden Archives, a lore podcast that helps to explain every little confusing detail about the lands between. Things like what exactly happened on the Night of the Black Knives, or what we really know about characters like Nicola. Just like the show you're listening to now, we're on the Robots Radio Network, so you know it'll be good. Wondering how to find the show? Easy. Either go to robotsradio.net or search Elden Archives on whatever podcatcher you're using right now. Bookmark the show for later, and we'll see you in the lands between. Again, that's The Elden Archives, a FromSoft Lorecast, available everywhere.